I wanted to share a tool that I started using recently. And if you're doing any prospecting or lead sourcing from LinkedIn, it's definitely worth checking out. The tool is called Surf and it's spelled S-U-R-F-E. It's a Chrome extension that allows you to add contacts to your CRM directly from LinkedIn. I use it to add contacts quickly, follow my deals, keep track of my notes. And it's actually saved me a bunch of time. The data is always 100% accurate because I don't have to copy and paste each detail from each contact over to my CRM. Instead, Surf does it all for me automatically with just one click. Now, the folks over at Surf have been kind enough to put together a promo offer for fans of SSP. You can go to the link in the show notes and use the promo code JWSURF with an E5 for a 5% discount on your first year. Check out the link in the show notes and go check them out. I've got a secret weapon for you that's going to skyrocket your sales without the unnecessary headaches that come along with using one of the big player CRM systems. That secret weapon is Close CRM. Now let's face it, we've all been there. We've used a clunky, confusing system that kind of makes you want to throw your laptop out the window. Well, fear not, Close is here to save your time, money, and sanity. Close has all of the powerful sales tools you need, minus the drama, to manage your leads, track your deals, and crush your targets effortlessly. It has calling, emailing, SMS, multi-channel sequences, and it even has meeting tracking built right in. It's easy to set up and implement. You can stop screwing around with CRMs that aren't built for you and start selling and managing customers today. You can start a free trial using the link in the show notes, special for SSP fans. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope everybody had a fantastic holiday. And uh, if you're like me, you're looking forward to wrapping up the year and uh, spending some much needed time with family and friends, if you can, in a uh, socially distanced way. Uh, Anyway, today uh, I'm bringing you a bit of a different type of episode. Normally, the, the show focuses a lot on some of the tactical and, uh, you know, kind of drill down type plays that you can run as a SaaS seller to improve your craft, to get better, to close more deals, to stand out from the crowd, et cetera. But I'm, I'm getting a lot of questions from a lot of the listeners around how to just, you know, break into SaaS from the get-go. So I have a lot of folks that tune into the show that don't currently work in the software sales business, uh, but maybe they're a college senior who's looking ahead to their career, uh, or it's someone who has a lot of sales experience, but that's in a different industry, uh, you know, like manufacturing or logistics or healthcare sales uh, or media or some other uh, vertical or, 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 you know, market segment. So we get a lot of different types of folks that listen in. And I get a lot of questions on a, on a frequent basis about how I got into the business and, you know, in 2020, how one can land uh, a really good opportunity in SaaS. So I thought I'd dedicate a couple of episodes here. Uh, today will be sort of the part one uh, on how to, to get your first job in the software sales business. And then we'll probably do a couple of parts here over the next couple of days. Um, this is just, uh, you know, some high level ideas. Today is going to focus mostly on, uh, you know, just sort of getting the strategic guidance uh, to get the process started. But in future episodes, I'll actually get into some nitty gritty specifics on who to reach out to, who to network with how to stand out if you've uh, put your resume into the pile, how do you get in touch with decision makers? How can you better your chances of getting the job? How do you get better at interviewing? How to find the right SaaS opportunities? Because there's a lot of software companies out there, but I'll tell you that not all of them are, uh, definitely not all of them are gonna become unicorn companies. 
Maybe that's not your goal at all, though. Maybe you just want to work at uh, a smaller software firm. Uh, or maybe you do want to work at a large corporation that sells software like Oracle or Salesforce. And those are all really great paths to take. Uh, all of them have sort of a different process for getting in the door. But I'll try to, uh, you know, I'll try to address all of those things. And, and let's just start with some of the basics here. So wherever you're at, again, whether you've worked in, in business or in sales, or maybe you've had another career before this and you're trying to change careers, uh, or if you're a college senior who's looking to get into the industry for the first time, I always suggest people take a step back and first identify a couple of different things uh, before they dive head on into their search for a, for their first SaaS role. So a few things to, uh, to think about ahead of time. Where do you live? Uh, this is one that I, I talk to a lot of people about. I think the market and where you live, what your geo is, is very important when it comes to finding your first SaaS role. The way it is, is there's certain cities, both in the US and outside of the US that really lend themselves to the software industry. There's a lot of reasons for that. I'm probably not gonna get into it in this episode. Uh, the headline or kind of the short story there is certain cities have a better tech infrastructure than others because they either have access to venture capital, think San Francisco, uh, or you know, there's already a market there with lots of other software companies. So I'm gonna name off a few cities that I see as you know big software cities. Just because you don't live in one of these cities doesn't mean that you can't break into the industry, but I will say that it's much easier if you are in one of these areas or you're thinking about moving to one of these areas just for the networking opportunities, especially early on. And if you've listened to previous episodes, you've heard me tell my story. I'm not from a tech-centered city per se. Uh, I'm originally from Phoenix, Arizona. There are some sort of hardware type companies here. Uh, you know, Intel has a really big operation here. And in more recent years, like PayPal and some other firms have set up shop here in Phoenix. And I'm very excited because I, I think in the next few years, you're going to see a lot more SaaS and software companies uh, land in Phoenix. But historically, that hasn't been the case. And there wasn't a lot of opportunities to network. Uh, there were a few start, uh, small startups when I finished school here in Arizona. But I started looking at what I saw were some of the big software cities. And of course, you know, San Francisco, the whole Bay Area is a great place to start your career if you can swing it. That said, it's really expensive. Uh, there's some big challenges in, in living in, in both California and in San Francisco also. So some things to think about there. And when I was early on in my, uh, you know, search for for a, a software role, I went and visited San Francisco for a couple of weeks and just decided that it wasn't quite the right fit for me, even though uh, I think it's a you know great place. And of course, it's sort of the, the the mecca for the tech industry. So if you can, you know, break in there, if you're already there, you're already in a good spot and you probably have access to the right networks to get you that first role. But there's a lot of other cities outside of that that a lot of folks don't think about. So of course, there's sort of the second string, or I don't even know if they're called second string or if they're still first string tech cities. But you know, Boston's a great place for for software. You've got Seattle, uh, you have Denver, Boulder area, uh, Austin, Texas, which is where I spent the first ten years of my career, is a fantastic city if you want to break into software. But there's other cities, but beyond those as well. Uh, I'm hearing about, you know, I'm aware of a lot of software opportunities in Indianapolis, Indiana, which is one that doesn't necessarily always make the top of the list of 
you know, the first cities people think of when they think of tech startups or tech companies, but Indy is a great place. And I actually spent a, a lot of time there and really enjoyed it there and think it has a really great uh, software scene and tons of great opportunities. Chicago, of course, is a great place to be. All the big metros, all the big coastal cities have great software opportunities. We also hear about great opportunities in Dallas, Texas. Uh, there's opportunities in Salt Lake City, Utah. There's uh, there's opportunities even in places like Bozeman, Montana, which is where my current company is headquartered. Believe it or not, there are quite a few uh, software sales professionals living in Montana, uh, and it's a fantastic place. I hate to give it too much uh, airtime here because uh, my counterparts that live in Montana want to keep it a, a well-kept secret and, and not necessarily broadcast the fact, but there is uh, you know, starting to be an industry there and there's a lot of opportunities there now, uh, more so than there were maybe, I don't know, 10, 20 years ago, right? So lots of cities are starting to come into the into focus as you know places where you could start a role as a software seller. And then with the, the pandemic situation in 2020, a lot of these roles have shifted to remote. And I'm, I'm hearing a lot of hiring managers say, hey, I, I don't really care where you live as long as there's an airport close by or you're able to attend, uh, you know, once the pandemic's over, whenever that is, uh, you know, if you're able to attend some of the team meetings or if we're able to do meetups or you're able to go visit certain customers, as long as you're able to travel is kind of the short, uh, you know, short story there, then we don't really care where you live. You can live in, I don't know, somewhere in the middle of nowhere uh, in, I don't know, Arizona or New Mexico, uh, or you can live in West Texas or something like that. So I think there's, there's going to start, we're going to start to see more opportunities for remote work and the emphasis is not going to be so much on where you are, uh, but what your skills are, what your network looks like, and what you're able to deliver for the business. And so that's the good news about being in software sales is it's a results-oriented career. So what that means is as long as you can deliver the result, it really doesn't matter where you live. Uh, it also doesn't matter you know, how many hours you work per se, although I will say that if you want to get really great at selling software, uh, it is going to take a significant investment in hours. And of course, even the top performing reps, the, the world-class sellers out there still invest a lot of time in improving themselves. And when the timing is you know, critical for closing a big deal or ending a quarter, of course, there's a lot of hours sometimes involved. So those are some things to think about. So where you are, uh, where you want to be, uh, you know, geo metros that you're in uh, are, are definitely considerations if you're looking for a role in SaaS. Uh, you know, you can start to kind of send, you know, I'd start to look at, you know, one of the first things I did was I started looking at some of the metros where there were a lot of software startups and I just started applying for some of those jobs. Uh, and so I probably went about it in more of a broad approach. I think now you could get really targeted and hone in on a specific city that you maybe like to relocate to or again, if you're already in one of these cities, you can start to sort of research what opportunities exist uh, in, in these metros. And there's a really great resource that I'll, I'll post a link to. I think it's called Greg's List. And Greg actually used to live here in Phoenix and he worked for a company called Infusionsoft. And he publishes a list of all the different startups and software companies in each metro. He hasn't gotten to every metro in the US, of course, but he has, I think like 20 or so, probably more uh, different you know, lists of companies that, that are out in those places, I would highly recommend Greg's list. Uh, again, I'll, I'll share a link in the, in the, in the show notes here. So you have an, so you have access to that and you can look at all the different metros that, uh, that have software opportunities. So where you are, another thing I always think about is, you know, who do you want to work with and who do you want to serve as a seller? 
I think of selling as an opportunity to serve others, as cheesy as that might sound, that's really what we're doing. We're consultants. We're trying to drive results for our clients. So it's really important as you're looking for your first software opportunity to really think through what professions, what types of people, uh, what roles in a company are you most interested in delivering results for? So who result and what kind of result are you trying to drive, right? Are you, are you trying to help somebody get more clicks on their website? Are you trying to help somebody lower their operational costs? Or are you trying to help somebody manage uh, you know, more lines of code or close more GitHub tickets? I mean, there's all kinds of things if you start to go down the rabbit hole around impact that you can deliver on a business, uh, results you can deliver and problems you can solve. So really take a step back and think about things that you're interested in. Are you interested in marketing? Uh, are you interested in software development? Are you more of an operations business-minded person? Would you enjoy working with COOs and operations officers and leadership in oper on the operations side of the business to help them save money or uh, increase costs or drive revenue or things like that? So uh, be thinking about what role in a specific business, or maybe, maybe you want to help other sellers. Uh, maybe you want to sell a product that helps people sell more or market better. Uh, maybe you want to help C-level executives have better insights into their employees or better insights into their customers. So these are all considerations one should make uh, as they're evaluating what opportunities are out there and, uh, you know, really thinking about the their career ahead. So who? So first, where? Where are you? Uh, what opportunities are close to you or accessible to you? Who do you want to serve and what result do you want to drive? Uh, for the person that you're serving in this business. And then uh, another consideration I think to, to, to really think about is, do you want to go to a small company or a large company? And I myself started in smaller companies and have mostly spent uh, my career in startups, early stage startups. The smallest startup I was at had nine employees, I believe. It may have actually been less than that. Uh, and the largest company I was at was, well, uh, Gannett, which had like I don't know, tens of thousands of employees. So I've kind of done both, but predominantly been in smaller startups. In my role right now, I'm at a, I'm on a team that the whole company is about 50 people or so. Uh, so that tends to be my expertise. That's by design. When I started out in this business, I, I liked being in a, an organization where I felt like I had an, an impact on the results of the business. I felt like my sales really counted and my customers were were you know important to the business? I struggled a little bit at some of the larger teams that I've been on, where I felt more like a number and just a link in a bigger chain. There is nothing wrong. In fact, I think I would actually encourage a lot of people to start at a bigger company at first. So my first selling role, uh, not in software, but just sales in general, I was selling media, was actually at Gannett, which is uh, you know a big Fortune 300 company. So there was a lot of people there. There was a lot of training resources. Before I even got on the phone, I went through, you know, three weeks of, you know, classroom training. And then there was probably a week of uh, peer training and, and manager training and things like that. So I actually tend to recommend starting in a larger company. Then you can benefit from their built-in training, all the tools that they have. You kind of learn the industry in a little bit slower pace. If you jump right into an early stage startup in your first role, again, some people can do it. A lot of people have the personality to just dive in and figure it out. If that's you, great, do it. I mean, more power to you. Startups are fantastic. They're a blast. I love working in a startup. Uh, I love the just scrappiness of it all. It's it's definitely part of my personality. That said, you know, the vast majority of people are going to benefit from having 
training and, and resources and infrastructure that comes with being at a bigger team and having, you know, a, a proven process, a proven business, uh, you know, built in, as I said, built in customers and resources, things to reference. It's much easier to learn when, when you have, you know, when you're working for a company that has like 10,000 customers than if you're working for a startup that doesn't have a single customer. And you can trust me on that because I've done both. So, uh, yeah, what kind of company do you want to go to? And it's a different process. If you're wanting to work for a startup, there's a different strategy for breaking into a small startup than there is for applying for a role at a big company like say Salesforce or Oracle uh, or SAP or Microsoft, right? So two different approaches. But again, if you can get in at one of those bigger companies earlier on, then you can transition later on into startups and use the experience. You can always say, hey, look, I started my career at a big company because I wanted to see what a scaled sales process looks like. I wanted to capitalize on the training that was offered, the you know processes and, and things like that that were implemented there are certainly helpful earlier on to kind of help you understand the bigger picture, but startups are total blast. And I love working in a place where I know my work counts for, for a lot. So those are a couple things to think about as you're approaching your first opportunity in software, uh, more to come here. This is, again, is just episode one in the next episode of this. I'll, I'll get into some more details around how to go about landing that opportunity, uh, how to interview, how to get connected with the right people, how to network, uh, how to really stand out from the crowd. Then we can also talk about uh, you know pros and cons of some different types of opportunities, specifically where in the sales organization is a good place to start. And then we can even dive into some you know sort of secret, not even really secrets, the so not secret secrets to really taking off once you do land the role. I think there's a few things a rep can do to really stand out early on and package themselves as a top performer. So that's all I've got today and uh, looking forward to that next episode. Thanks for listening. 